if you found out that your psychic medium and Reiki abilities were actually of the demonic, would you stop doing them? Our guest has to wrestle with that question, as well as a very difficult childhood and the deception of Mormonism, all on this week's Spirit Answers podcast. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and I appreciate the opportunity to have me on your podcast and to be able to share my testimony and some insight into some of the things I've experienced that might help other people. Of course, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for you and for your time as well. Um, so your story is an incredible one. You go from a Christian skeptic to uh, a follower of Mormonism to an energy healer to a follower of Jesus and his teachings. But before we kind of get into all that, I understand your story really begins in your childhood and it was very difficult, wasn't it? Um, it was extremely difficult as a child. Uh, I grew up with a dysfunctional family. Um, there was a lot of alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse, all the way back to a child. And even before that, I know that in my family history, um, it's kind of been a repetitive cycle. Um, as a child, there was a period of time where it was just me and my mom growing up and um, her and my biological father had gotten divorced when I was about two years old. He actually was arrested because he had tried to kidnap me and take me from Indiana, where we lived, to California. And the police had to, like, track him down and stop him from taking me out of state because that was his sole intention was to take me away from my mom. And um, so from about two years old till I was, like, four or five, I went on visitation with my biological dad. And um, there was a lot of physical abuse that I dealt with as a child during that time uh, from my, my dad and from my stepmom. Um, and so when I was around seven years old, after all kinds of legal things took place, a mediation happened between my dad and my mom and he was able to get out of prison by signing his rights over. And I got adopted by my mom's new husband. And when I thought things were going to get better, it only got worse because he was an alcoholic, my mom's new husband. Um, and she had been really bad on like prescription medication. She abused that quite often. And she was also an alcoholic. And there was a lot of turmoil in their relationship. Um, my new dad, my adopted dad, was really abusive to my mom. Um, I witnessed a lot of things that took place where my mom would be hurt. Um, for example, there was an instance where they were both drunk and they were fighting over something. And as a kid, seven years old, I watched my mom get her head smacked off our coffee table. Wow. And um, 
it was just stuff like that that continued to happen. And there was never any, um, nobody ever came to like intercept that, to interfere, um, to fix that. Like, like I said, my whole family was dysfunctional. And so everybody knew these things were going on and taking place, but nobody ever called like DCS at the time, child protective services, like that didn't happen. And so it just continued for several years. Mm. I'm so sorry that that happened. Um, and there was, I remember in your testimony too, there was a, there was a specific quote, I think, wasn't it from your stepdad, something that he had told you? Um, you remember what that yeah, was? Yeah. So, um, it was my adopted dad. Um, he, because when my mom got married and he agreed to adopt me, um, because my biological dad had signed his rights over, there was a specific time when, I had asked him basically why he adopted me, what was the reasoning behind this. Um, and he had told me that it was basically for money, like for the tax check. And that was something that as a kid, knowing that somebody really didn't care about me, you know, that was hard knowing that that person didn't love me, I guess, you know? Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Um, in this this uh, dysfunctional uh, family setting didn't help your belief in God, did it? No, because as a child, I do remember growing up in and out of church. Mm-hmm. Um, the main church that I grew up in was like the Pentecostal, apostolic, charismatic faith church, you know, the speaking in tongues, the, the women in the skirts and the dresses and the long hair and, you know, the loud running around the church in circles and laying hands on people and, you know, being hit with fire of the Holy Spirit and like falling over, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that. Like that's the type of church that I was brought up in. But because of all the things that were going on, like in the family, the dysfunction, the drugs, the alcohol, we never stayed in one church for very long Mm. um, because it was like the minute things would get bad or get worse, nobody wanted church people to know what was going on and we'd quit going altogether. It was like a, a year or so would pass of not going to church at all. And somehow they would have found another church like out in the boonies, you know, somewhere far away. And we'd start going to church there. But then problems would happen at home with like my mom and my dad or they would get really bad on alcohol. And we wouldn't go for like two or three months and then it would get to where we just wouldn't go at all again. And so growing up, I knew who Jesus was, you know, from Sunday school. And I knew what church was, um, but I knew it wasn't consistent. It wasn't stable and it didn't help at home. You know, it didn't matter if my mom and dad went to church, if I hopped on the church bus and went by myself because everything at home was still the same. And so I grew up questioning, is this real? Is there a reason? Is there a point to all of this? You know, nothing's changing at home. And okay, if there is a God, 
why does he hate me? Why does he hate my family? Why was I put in a horrible home life? You know, like, why is this happening to me if there is a God and I'm just a kid? So it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, I think you you put it well. It didn't seem like Christianity was working. Yeah. Um, I definitely, yeah. I, I don't think that back then as a kid that I was truly um, what you would say, what we say now. Like, I don't think I was truly saved um, because there was no consistency with my relationship with the Lord, with my parents' relationship. And it was like we'd go to church on Sunday, but nothing changed the rest of the week. It was almost like show for my mom and my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that I was truly saved. I don't know if I believe my parents were truly saved at the time because there was no change of behavior. There was no change of heart for them. And so it did have me questioning whether there was a God or not. Mm-hmm. I think understandably so. And from here, how then did you get involved in Mormonism? Because from what I understand, that's kind of the next step in your in your spiritual journey. Sort of, yes. So in high school, um, through this cycle of going to church, not going to church, going to church, not going. Um, in high school, I got really rebellious. There was a time in high school that my mom had kind of dabbled into Wicca um, off and on just briefly, like spirit boards and things like that, trying to communicate with like dead family members and um, getting into the Wicca practices of like, you know, worshiping the earth and nature and all of that. So in high school, when that was taking place, I became rebellious because I was like, okay, So we went from going to church to not going to church. My mom's a pill addict who is now trying to do Wicca and witchcraft and her health had deteriorated. Um, She was diagnosed with like an autoimmune disorder and she had been having like IV therapies um, to try to build up her immune system, chronic pancreatitis, all kinds of things like you name it. She had it. And there was a time where I had started smoking marijuana. I had started drinking in high school, um, all these things, because I was like, okay, well, you know, nothing I do matters. Going to church doesn't matter. Um, God hates me. So I'm just going to do whatever I want, I guess, because I didn't care what happened to me anymore. Mm -hmm. And in high school, I had ended up married at 17 to somebody that was a lot older than me. And I was divorced by the time I was 18 um, and still in high school. I hadn't even graduated from the time I got married to the time I was divorced. And um, my mother had been occasionally meeting with the missionaries. And I think she was kind of seeking healing or something because I don't think her Wicca and witchcraft was giving her what she wanted. Um, she actually got a lot of backlash from a lot of people in the family from it. And I think she was seeking miraculous healing 
from all of her physical ailments, like all of her sickness and all the things going on. And so they, the missionaries had been coming occasionally to meet with her and to have lessons. And I was curious because growing up, I always heard if you were going to go to church, don't go to the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're in a cult, you know, the, the sister wives and all of that. Um, it was stay away from them. And so I was really curious why my mom was meeting with them. It was strange. And of course, um, they were the, the young boys, you know, the handsome young men. And I think that kind of appealed to my mom too. Um, sure. <laughs> there was some things growing up where, uh, I know that my mom liked the younger guys and was attracted to younger guys. As long as they were 18, she was cool with it. Um, and so I think she was more interested in them, not because of the message that they were conveying, but more of because she was attracted to them. And she also wanted from them like a miraculous healing because within the Mormon church, they believe in like priesthood blessings. So if you're sick, they come to your house with like anointing oil and they pray a blessing over you um, for healing. And so a few of those times that they had came over were for these priesthood blessings um, to have her anointed and be prayed over because of her sickness. And so I was curious and I had sat in on a couple of the lessons and I was listening fully to what they were saying because I didn't care what they looked like. Um, And they told me, you know, that it didn't matter what I did, anything at all. It didn't matter because I hadn't been baptized into the true church yet. And so I was able to join the Mormon church and be baptized by the proper priesthood authority um, that was only bestowed upon them by God and no other church had that around and that I could truly be washed clean of all my sins and that God would accept me as I was right then and there, no matter what I had been through, what I had done. And so that appealed to me that, okay, well, maybe I have been doing it wrong my whole life. And that's why going to church didn't change anything in my family because I wasn't going to the right church. Mm -hmm. And so I believed what they said. I think I was in a, a vulnerable place emotionally and spiritually that I just wanted to feel loved and accepted. And if I could be washed clean from everything that I had done wrong or everything that I experienced and be made a new creature, um, you know, a new person in Christ through the Mormon church, I wanted that because I thought that maybe things would change. Hmm. And that had to have been a really, really nice uh, way of looking at God compared to how you had viewed him before. Like before you, you, it sounds like you were questioning if there even was a God and if there was a God, why would he allow these things to happen? And all of a sudden you have uh, somebody giving you a complete opposite message, one of love and of acceptance and of forgiveness. So I'm sure that was really, really nice to hear. Yeah, it, it really was because it made me feel like, okay, the reason things 
were not changing for me, no matter how many times we went to church, no matter how many times we tried a new church, and no matter how many times I got baptized at one of these other churches, because growing up, I mean, I was baptized at just about every church that we had went to. And knowing that, knowing I say that because that's what I was taught to believe, um, that within the Mormon church, that all these priesthood keys and these priesthood authorities had been restored back when Joseph Smith founded the church, um, that I could have true peace and true forgiveness and see true change in my life because this was the one true church. Um, it was really appealing and it was really enticing to know that maybe, hey, this might be this might be the one. This is going to change my life for the better. Can you kind of give uh, the people listening and watching kind of a brief like thumbnail sketch of what like Mormonism is and like what the core beliefs are? Because I think a lot of people are familiar with the name Mormonism. And I think a lot of people are familiar with Christianity. And a lot of people, I think, also understand that they kind of overlap. But can you kind of tell us what some of the key beliefs are, maybe some of the differences? Um, so Mormonism is a world religion. Um, I don't really want to call it a Christian religion because it's not really a Christian religion. Um, it's a, it's a world religion that's actually growing. Um, it was founded in 1830 by Joseph Smith and it is said according to his account, um, Joseph Smith history, that at the time the Mormon church was founded, Joseph Smith in his teenage years had prayed to God wanting to know what church he needed to join um, because he wasn't finding the right church or wasn't, um, I guess, getting what he needed from it or whatever. Um, he wanted to know what was the true church on earth, which one he should join. And it said within Mormon history, um, documents, church history, that God told him that no church on earth was proper, um, that all the other churches on earth at the time were an abomination. They, while some of them had some truth, they didn't hold all the truth. They didn't have the priesthood authority, the keys of the kingdom, etc. And so Joseph Smith told people in his account of what happened that the Lord told him not to join any of the churches on earth and that he would create a new church with the restored gospel, with the restored um, keys of the kingdom, the priesthood authority, that it would happen through him. And so Mormonism is that religion. It's the religion that Joseph Smith founded back in like the 1830s, um, believing that it is the one true church of Christ, and they are the church that hold the the keys to the kingdom, the priesthood authority, and that can actually accurately and spiritually baptize somebody um, the way that God would have it done through the power of God. Um, all other churches are doing it wrong, and everybody, in order to be truly baptized, needs to have it done in the Mormon church. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And from what I understand too, didn't he, he says he had an encounter with like an angelic being as well that gave him further revelation. 
Yes. So um, when there's there's four different accounts of the first vision, which is strange to me because you would think that if something was true, that there would only be one account. And um, it said that when Joseph Smith had the first vision, that God the Father and Jesus Christ appeared to him as two separate physical beings and that God basically introduced Jesus Christ saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And so um, there is that vision of the first vision where Joseph Smith met God and Jesus Christ. But then there's also accounts of visions that he had with the angel Moroni who led him to the golden plates, which is what he then had to um, translate into the Book of Mormon. Hmm. Really fascinating. So at this point, then, it sounds like you you buy into the, the Mormon doctrine and you're having uh, what sounds like, at least initially, a pretty good experience. Yeah, um, everybody was super nice and accepting. And it was easy to believe um, because from what I knew in the Bible, okay, we're taught God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he had apostles back in Jesus' time, why would he not have apostles now? If he had a prophet back then, why would he not have it now? And so to me, at that time, being spiritually vulnerable, not really knowing much about the Bible, because I didn't have that consistency growing up, I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, why wouldn't there be a prophet? Why wouldn't there be a quorum of the 12 apostles? And why would the church not be set up the way that Jesus had the church set up when he had his ministry down here, you know, with his apostles and disciples? So it was really easy for me to believe that, to, okay, this is right. This is true. I mean, they they use the Bible to their advantage. So they'll cherry pick different verses and scriptures from the Bible to support their doctrinal beliefs. And so it was easy to hear all these people that had been in the Mormon church, you know, their whole entire life, hear what they say and how they provide biblical scriptures to support it and think, okay, they're telling the truth. This is real. And so knowing how nice everybody was, knowing how accepting everyone was, they make you feel like you're part of the family and they truly are. Like, I don't want to give the wrong impression that all Mormons are bad. Um, They do genuinely care about the community And they do have all kinds of resources to help out financially, to help people out in times of need, in times of like global catastrophe. Um, They do help the community and they do try to serve other people. Um, So I don't want to give the wrong impression there, but I felt at home. I felt like I finally had a family that cared about me. And I felt like I was getting closer to God, the real God, not what I had experienced growing up as a child. But as a young adult, I felt like I was finally understanding who God was and what a church should be like. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you finally felt like people were treating you with the respect and love that you deserve that you had never experienced growing up. And then I, I, I wanted to say that because I think it's really important just how much I think relationships, uh, I, I think that when you find a place where people actually treat you well, I think that that is, um, you, you're going to stand out no matter who you are, no matter what the the core belief and doctrine is. I think that is such a crucial part of of any uh, successful enterprise is the, is the relationships. And it sounds like they had that part, at least in, initially here down. And, um, and you appreciated that. And I, and I also wanted to say that um, I, I think when I, when I hear what you're saying and, and, and uh, just think about like religion in general, no wonder for, for many people that don't take like the time to really explore spiritual spiritualities in, in religion, this, this would all be really, really confusing. It's like, you have all these different types of beliefs and these different doctrines. It's like, how do you know you have the right one? And, you know, I'm so I'm, I totally understand where people come from when they think about religion and they're like, okay, it's just, it all sounds so confusing. And there's just a little bit of a change here. Uh, and then, and then a little bit of a change here, even in Christianity, people can't agree on, on doctrine. So, um, I, th there's no, I totally understand where people's skepticism would come when it, when, when it comes to thinking about religion and spirituality, because I think when you think, when you look, take a step back and you see how many different uh, types of spiritualities there are. No wonder people immediately write it off as something that can't possibly be true. It's, 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 it's difficult to, to kind of decipher what the, like what the truth is in all this. Yeah. I, I think that is part of the reason a lot of people are so enticed by the new age mysticism. Um, just following spirituality is because it's like, okay, well, religion doesn't matter. Man-made religion doesn't matter because it's man-made, um, you know, and they focus on, okay, well, I'm a spirit being, everybody's a spirit being, there's a spirit realm, past lives, um, you know, we don't ever fully die, we just reincarnate, our spirit lives on forever, um, focused on like the universe and positivity because it's a lot easier than trying to decipher what church has proper doctrine, what church is real and the restrictions, you know, a lot of people don't want to follow the rules of the Bible. They feel like, you know, it's holding them back. They can't have fun. They can't do the things they want to do. And so just following a spiritual path, you can be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, and you're not bound by the rules, the man-made rules. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's what entices a lot of people. But I wanted to touch on the Mormonism. I think why it's growing so much, um, it's like the fourth largest claiming Christian church in the world um, well, in America right now, but it's spreading all over the world. Um, there's like 14 million members and they keep growing every year and they keep adding different temples all over the place and getting churches set up in different countries over the world. And I think that is something that's so enticing to people about the Mormon church is that it's, hey, we accept you as you are. You can be made new. We've got all of these resources to help people out. And the big thing is the church is the same no matter where you go. And so that's the difference between Mormonism and Christianity is that I can go to a church down the street and it'll preach something different from the Bible than what a church 
on the other end of the street or what the Roman Catholic Church teaches or Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Mormon Church, Mormon doctrine is the same no matter where you go. I can go from Indiana to Tennessee and it'll be the same teaching at a Tennessee church, LDS church, as it is here in Indiana, as it is in Germany or France or wherever. Um, Mormon doctrine is taught the same no matter where you're at. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was enticing for me as well as other people that I didn't have to question which church to go to. It was the same no matter where I went. I could move away and go to a Mormon church and it would still be the same no matter who taught it or what because it was all the same. There was no question of what doctrine was being taught at what church, what faith, you know, Baptist, Presbyterian, there was no question. It was, okay, we go to the Mormon church, we're Mormons, and we'll be taught the same thing no matter what. Mm, that is fascinating. I did not know that. That is really, really interesting. So at this point in your story then, how did you, because I, I know you kind of start to fall away from Mormonism. So kind of take us to that point. What happens next? So when I joined the Mormon church, um, they're really big on marriage and I, because I had a child already, um, I could not go on a mission. I could not be a missionary, even though I was at the right age to be able to go on a mission. I was a mom and I couldn't leave my kid behind to go serve a mission for two years. And so, well, it's like 18 months for girls. And so I became a ward missionary. Uh, meaning I did the same things as the missionaries did um, just in my area for where I lived. I would go out with them knocking on doors to share the gospel with people, um, participate in lessons with the sister missionaries, um, all those things. Like I was super involved in the church and I loved it. And that was my first calling. And then my second calling that I got when I was no longer a ward missionary, I was the gospel principles teacher. So I actually taught the new converts gospel doctrine, Mormon doctrine. And um, I loved that. I loved, I thought I was, you know, sharing the truth. And I thought I was involved in the one true church. Um, and I convinced my boyfriend at the time to get baptized in the Mormon church. And he, I actually, he was in Tennessee at the time. Um, he had lived here before and we had dated and he had moved away to like help out his grandma, to live with his grandma. Um, we had been having some relationship problems and it was just the right time, I guess, for him to take time away and to leave. And so he had moved down to Tennessee and the time that he was there, I was sharing with him like everything that I was learning about the Mormon church. And at first he was like, no, you're crazy. I don't want to hear anything about it. I don't want to know anything about it. Um, not happening. And I worked on him for like a long time. Like I just kept sharing stuff and it was, it was weird. Like I even tracked down missionaries in Tennessee to go to his house and talk to him 
because I was so adamant about having him join the church because we had talked about getting married and I couldn't marry a non-member. I mean, that just would have been a disaster. You know, that's what we're taught. Don't marry non-members. Um, it can cause problems, you know, being unequally yoked. And if you want to get married, you know, he needs to become a member. He needs to become a member so you guys can um, get sealed in the temple together. And so I convinced him to get baptized in the church. And he moved back from Tennessee to Indiana, where I live. And within just a couple of months, we got married because there's they it's so important that you get married. Like the minute you're in a relationship, you're instantly talking about marriage because they don't really believe that you should date somebody unless you're going into it with the intention that this person could be your husband or your wife. And so we pretty much got married shortly after he got back within just a couple of months and things changed drastically. Um, I can't really say what started the change because I'm not sure at what point things went bad. I just know that it went from me being super active in the church. When I got married, we seldom went to church. And then we started having some issues like my husband had lost his job at one point. And the church has a welfare system set up for its members and for non-members in case of an emergency. If you lose your job, they're there to help out. And my husband had lost his job briefly. Like it wasn't something that was going to be permanent. It was, you know, he knew he was going to find work again. He already had other jobs lined up that he could go to. And we just needed help for like temporary, like it wasn't anything long-term. And the church the bishop at this time wanted us to take a like financial class, basically telling us we didn't know how to manage our money. And because we needed help from the church, like financially to help us with bills at the time that we were irresponsible and needed to take this, this money management class because we were irresponsible. We weren't financially stable and, because we didn't own a house, we couldn't afford to buy our own house, like we were poor, basically. And so we started taking this class and we were also like doing service at the church to help um, kind of pay back, like exchange our services for the help that we got. So we were after church every Sunday, we would clean, um, take out trash, all these things at the church to help pay back like what they had helped us with. And when it came time for these classes, my husband and I would go home fighting because, okay, we don't have $10,000 in a savings account. We don't have three years worth of food saved up, you know, food supply, food storage, all these things that the church recommends their members have. Um, we didn't have any of that and we'd fight about it, you know, financial problems, became a burden to us just because my husband had lost his job for a small period of time. And so this class that we were being forced to take because of our bishop was causing us marriage problems. And when we told him, 
that we no longer wanted to do the class because it was interfering with our marriage, we were told that we were being defiant to church authority and that we needed to have a, a mediator come to our house um, after the class and sit with us as we discussed it in order to make sure that we didn't fight. And it didn't matter. We would still end up fighting even in front of the mediator person. And so it got to where we just kind of quit going after that um, kind of ego based, like we had been offended, but also because it didn't make sense if we're telling them, hey, this is causing us marriage problems, why they would continue trying to force us into something that was causing us problems when it's not that we weren't financially responsible. We just had an issue at the time. My husband lost his job. That was out of our control. And mm -hmm. so um, we just kind of quit going. And I had struggled with depression and anxiety stemming from childhood. So losing that family, losing my church family and being afraid to go back because I didn't want to deal with the bishop, um, all kinds of things set in like kind of like abandonment, loneliness, like I felt alone. I felt like I had this great home family, this great home church, and then I got married and it blew up. Like mm -hmm. part of me was questioning, should I have even gotten married? My marriage was a mistake because I was doing just fine before I got married. I was active in the church. I loved my church calling. I didn't have any problems. And then here it was, I got married and now I've lost everything. And so I got super depressed. My mom had gotten way worse and that stressed me out because I took care of my mom. Um, and that's kind of what led from leaving the Mormon church into new age was the Mormon church crashing and crumbling and my marriage problems and dealing with the responsibility of caring for my sick mother who was also an addict. Um, I was looking for healing. I was looking for comfort and peace and um, insight and guidance, like just anything to help me out of the rut that I was in. Hmm. And so, yeah, that would be very traumatic. And I know in your testimony, you mentioned that it started, you started to kind of feel an empty feeling when you were going to, to church and kind of doing anything related to Mormonism. And from there, I'm sure that that also, between that empty feeling and the trauma that you were, that you were going through with all that, with all that chaos, I'm sure that that did make the uh, new age and potential healing that you could get from those spiritualities that much more enticing. Yeah, it really did. Because again, here I was at this place in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm back where I was, you know, I've come full circle. I thought I had found the truth. I had thought I had found the right place for me, but I still was struggling with depression. I was still struggling with anxiety. Um, I had been diagnosed with manic bipolar disorder, um, you know, marriage problems, things like that. And nothing against my husband, but um, he kind of was dealing with the same things as well. We were both in a rut. We both didn't know what we were going to do, how to really climb out of this 
this situation spiritually. You know, we thought we both had joined the right church. I had convinced him that the Mormon church was the right church and we both were at a loss. And I dove first into the new age path because I had heard people around town talking about, you know, healing crystals and how they can help with anxiety and with depression and how even some crystals can help heal, you know, physical ailments. And so, of course, I'm like, okay, I can find crystals that'll help my mom heal. I can find crystals that'll help my anxiety, that'll heal my um, uh, depression and bipolar disorder and um, crystals that I could set up and help my relationship, you know, all these things that I was, I was wanting and seeking in life, I could find within the new age path. And, um, I had even begun watching like YouTube videos, you know, people doing guided meditations on there using crystal grids and crystal wands and things like that. And, that's really where I got started was looking for the crystal healing, looking for where could I find these magical, miraculous crystals, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it started there trying to find a crystal shop and trying to find the right ones for everything that was going on in my life that needed fixed. And I always forget that some people aren't familiar with with the term new age. I think most people are, but for those who aren't familiar, essentially what it is is that it's a it's a a, smor- a smorgasbord of different spiritualities. A lot of times from Eastern uh, mysticism spiritualities, uh, kind of from Buddhism, Hinduism, and uh, I would say other uh, maybe minor spiritualities that you might find maybe in more like rural areas. And kind of taking and, ch- and choosing whatever that individual person believes is it works for them or is true for them. A lot of times it, it, it delves into, uh, quote, like energy healing, um, it, into meditation um, and into, like you said, like crystals, uh, psychics, things like that um, kind of all encompass the umbrella of the new age. Um, and in your situation, then, as you started to kind of look into crystal healing and other types of healing modalities, were you, were you finding that there was any, quote, success as, as, as uh, you would term in terms of like healing when you first got into it? Um, so I would say, yes, um, I allowed myself, I mean, at that point I had believed just about anything, you know, I had believed as a kid, the charismatic movement of the Mm -hmm. apostolic Pentecostal faith. Um, and then my mom got into the Wicca and witchcraft back in high school, you know, when I had got my rebellious stage going and then the Mormonism church, like, so I was like, okay, I can believe anything at this point. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been down all of these paths already. What's this path? I mean, I could believe it at that point, anything was possible. And so I went into it like a little bit skeptic, like what is a rock going to do? But at the same time, I had seen, I mean, hundreds like of videos on YouTube and different testimonies in Facebook groups of all these people that had success with the new age path and with crystal healing and energy healing. And so while I was like a little bit skeptical, I was open to it. And I think that's the difference is if you're open to it and you're allowing yourself spiritually to be receptive to the entities, the energy um, coming through, 
that of course you will see or experience something. And I did, um, you know, I did experience different things with crystals. Um, there was a time frame when, I mean, I still deal with it now, but I was diagnosed with PCOS and I had found like a crystal set, like a bundle at the crystal shop of different stones that were geared toward healing PCOS. And this might be too much information for people, but I had gone several months without a normal menstrual cycle. And it seemed like the minute I brought these crystals home and I cleared them within a couple days, I had had a cycle and wow. I was like, I'm healed. I'm healed. They worked. They fixed it. And I truly believed that I was healed and that my problems were no more because of this, these crystals, you know, they worked. And um, there were other instances where like third eye, okay. You know, your third eye chakra mm -hmm. um, crystals that helped activate and open that. And I would set up crystal grids in my house with like a little crystal board and it would have all the sacred geometry shapes on it. And there was intricate layouts for how you would set these crystals up. And I would have a generator in the middle and it would typically be like just a clear quartz point, like an obelisk. And that would shoot the energy out into the rest of my house. And I do believe that that opened up my third eye spiritually because when I did that, I began having these, what I thought were psychic abilities um, come to the surface. And so I do think I had success in the beginning because I started seeing all these things manifesting and happening and working and, you know, the healing that I had with the crystals and then, I was able to open my third eye with crystals and I do think it was successful, but it wasn't like it was only successful because it was demonic work that I was allowing to take place. Mm -hmm. What were some of the quote, like psychic, like uh, successes that you had or abilities? Um, so to be specific, when I began working on people uh, with Reiki and I was also working on myself. Um, one thing I wanted, one thing I had been told in like, um, I had a lady do a, like a mediumship session with me. And she had told me that I had these psychic abilities that were like locked away. Like they had been blocked by my childhood trauma um, and from past life experiences. And I needed to work on, clearing myself and doing past life regression, um, inner child healing, and that I would unlock these um, abilities that were always there. They were just stuck. And so when I started working on myself, Reiki, um, spiritually, because you can work on yourself and you can work on other people when you are a Reiki master, and I started focusing on my third eye chakra and using the crystal grids and getting all of that set up to heal whatever kind of blocks I had. Um, and when that opened up and I would begin working on other people, there were many times 
that visions, premonitions would come through as I was working on someone else for them. And a lot of times it would be people that were dealing with um, a lot of trauma and I would diagnose it as like spiritual, emotional, energetic blocks because of trauma that they had dealt with as a kid or even in adulthood or even from a past life. And so these things would come through, these visions, premonitions of stuff that would happen that I had no idea about. There was no way I would have known it had they had I not had these premonitions come through. And in the middle of sessions, I would stop and I'd be like, did this happen to you as a child? And I would have clients burst out into tears and be like, how did you know that? How do you know that? And I attributed it to my psychic abilities, you know, opening my third eye chakra. And there was one instance I was working on a lady who was dealing with what she called cyclical pain. And she had dealt with um, like cervical cancer and it had caused her to have reoccurring cyclical pain and it caused her a lot of stress. She wasn't really able to keep a job. She wasn't able to, um, it caused marriage problems for her. And she asked for a session, hoping that it would heal her. And in the middle of a session, a little baby came through to me that I believed was in heaven or, you know, the spirit realm, wherever. And it was a little girl. And I asked this woman if she had a child that passed away because this little girl was coming through to me, this little child. And she said, yes, I did. And I said, okay, well, your child is here with you. They're here with you. And I continued on with the session working through. I had a step of everything that I'd go through. And I continued on. Um, I didn't really know what to think because that had never happened like that for me. And this little girl, I went into like a state of almost like an out-of-body experience, but I was still present. Like it was dual. It was happening at the same time. I knew I was working on this person. I knew I was in the middle of a session, but I was spiritually somewhere else. And this little girl took me inside a house and we went upstairs and we went into a bedroom and she opened the closet. This little girl did. And she pulled out a shoebox. and inside the shoebox was ultrasound pictures and little momentums like a little baby hat and little things. And so it was like this little girl was showing me that her mommy kept a box from when she was pregnant with this child and these ultrasound pictures and things. And so again, I stopped and I said, can I ask you something? And it's going to sound crazy. And she said, yeah. And I said, in your closet, do you have a shoebox with ultrasound pictures? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, your daughter knows that you have those. And she wants you to know that she's with you. And she knows that you go and you look at these when you miss her. Because she knew exactly where they were in your house. 
And that was one of the most pivotal moments for me in my Reiki energy healing new age experience, because I truly believed that I had opened up my third eye chakra and I had these amazing psychic abilities and that I was able to truly provide help for people that were struggling, that were dealing with these emotional, spiritual blocks due to traumatic events. And there really was no way that I would have known any of that um, without opening myself up to whatever spirit was coming through um, because she hadn't told me any of that. That wasn't even something that had came up. Um, I knew that she had dealt with cervical cancer and that she was dealing with physical pain from it. That was it. That was all we had addressed. And all of that came up in the session from this, this spirit of a, a child, what I thought was a child at the time, that I had no idea about. Um, so I can't really explain it other than I know that demonic entities can take on forms of past loved ones and things to deceive us and they can even do it with truth. And so um, I don't really know what else to say about that specifically, but I did have success with opening up psychic abilities and things, but I know that it only happened because I allowed myself to be open to whatever kind of spiritual presence would give me information. Mm, that is just incredible. I've never heard, I've never heard it put in that those exact terms uh, on like how you receive that vision. Like that is what intricate detail, and just when you know the true underlying uh, substance behind it, which, like you said, is the demonic deception that just makes it seem that much more cruel that they would go to that length to try to pull the wool over your eyes to give you such. Uh, uh, for the like someone that doesn't know the truth, like such a, like a heartwarming vision. That yeah. is crazy. And no wonder um, so many people such as yourself and myself uh, fall uh, to that deception because it, it does seem very warm and loving when when you don't know the the truth behind it. it I mean, that is just it seems it, it, and the pa the power behind it, too, is incredible that you're you're quote helping these people. It's almost like I, I don't get how if you don't have some kind of like a firm foundation in truth, how, how you could have possibly have, have avoided that deception. That's yeah. incredible stuff. It, it definitely, it's even hard now, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. I still wonder uh, why I was able to receive that information. But then I just remind myself that I did open myself up to that. You know, mm -hmm. I did allow myself to um, be a conduit for the, the energy coming through the entity coming through. And so it wasn't necessarily that I had abilities, that I was a psychic. Um, I truly believe that I was allowing a, an entity to come into my spirit being, you know, mm -hmm. because before a, a, a Reiki session, I would channel the life force energy, you know, come through me, come, come through me and let me be a conduit, let the energy comes through my hands and work on somebody else. And I allowed that I opened myself up to that. So I know that it wasn't that I had psychic abilities, 
Um, it's whatever demonic spirit was working through me knew what this woman had gone through mm-hmm. and was using that as a way to deceive her and deceive me into thinking that I had these abilities and for her to think that, you know, her child was there and was with her. And, you know, that would draw somebody into this new age mysticism as well. If you're believing, hey, you know, there's spirits around my my loved ones that have passed away are around me all the time and know what I'm doing and I can communicate with them, you know, via a psychic, a medium or through channeling spirit, you know, spirit boards, whatever. So I know that it wasn't that I personally had abilities. I was opening myself up to being a conduit for some kind of demonic entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. I also just wanted to highlight really quick as well uh, what Reiki is, and it's that the energy healing that you were mentioning. And um, it's really uh, what you're doing is somebody is laying, like the person that you're giving the quote healing to is laying on some kind of a, usually like a table or, or bed, and you have your hands over them and you're performing, isn't it true that you're, you're kind of making symbols uh, before you do the healing and then your hands kind of get hot and you perform the, the quote healing session? Is that pretty accurate? Um, yes, that's really close to being accurate. So um, when you are a Reiki master, which is, like you said, a form of energy healing, um, we always called it a holistic alternative medicine mm-hmm. um, to be all fancy, you know, and sound professional. Right. Um, but before a session would start, um, you channel that energy. You know, I was always taught to, when I did my training to take a moment and, you know, thank the universe for being able to be a conduit for the universal life force energy and you would channel it. And I was always taught to kind of channel it through my crown chakra, my third eye, and then out through the rest of my body, but primarily your hands. And so I would go through like hand energy exercises where I would basically be manipulating the energy like within my hands, making Mm. sure I was good to go. I was activated. And then depending on what type of session they were there for would kind of depend on what sacred Reiki symbol you would use, you would activate. And basically what you would do is when the person would either be like with their eyes closed or out of their view, um, you would draw the symbol like with your hands or Mm -hmm. palm of your hand and you would activate it. Like that would be the way that you activate it. And it would set the amplification for that session. For example, if somebody came in and was dealing with emotional issues, um, lack of harmony in their life, you would use the Reiki emotional symbol. And I would draw it in the air over their body if their eyes were closed. And sometimes I would even go through each of their chakra points. And I would Mm -hmm. like draw this sacred symbol over their chakra point and then direct it with my hands through the rest of their body. And um, so the symbols are super sacred. Nobody's supposed to know them besides a Reiki master, but 
you can Google search them and see them anywhere. Um, and so they're used to like amplify the session um, to direct energy for a specific intention um, and to also um, provide like specific healing geared towards whatever symbol you use. Um, they don't have to be used. Uh, I never, I didn't use them all the time. Um, but they were said to be super helpful in targeting certain areas of healing or even for example, um, the distance symbol for Reiki, um, which is like sacred, um, can be used not just for distance as in like, if I'm here and somebody is like a state away or whatever, but, um, the distance symbol was said to transcend like space and time. So it didn't matter where you were, um, what time it was or anything. You could use the distance symbol to heal past events, future events, present events from different places around the world, different times around the world, but also like past life events. So if I came in to a session with someone who had um, told me they were dealing with like past life trauma and past life um, attachments and chains. I could use the Reiki distance symbol to amplify the healing for that past life event, not just the present life that the person was in, but whatever their past life trauma was. Mm, wow. I am so thankful that you brought this up too, uh, because, you know, I don't want to make this about me, but very quickly, I'll say that if it wasn't for Reiki energy healing, I don't think I would be here today doing this podcast and be a Christian because for me, that was really the straw that broke the camel's back for me and understanding the, as we've been talking about here, the demonic deception behind all of this. And it's just, it really, it really touches uh, a critical point for me. Uh, anytime I talk about this because I'm just so, I'm just so passionate and getting the, getting the word out that this is a deception. And it's interesting to me as well. When I, when I found out the deceptive nature of this, I found out um, that in Luciferianism, there's actually something called uh, uh, Setim. It's S-E-T-I-M. And it's actually the exact same thing as Reiki. It's, it's in Luciferianism. You can look it up on Google. It's in like, <laughs> like the Luciferianism Bible. And it's the exact same symbols. It's the exact same premise. It's just called something different. And so if you look into the, the, the true roots of this, this is, this really, it doesn't get any more demonic than this. And it, it but it's just Reiki is really, uh, it's just tied up in a really nice package and a really nice bow of love and light. But the reality of it is that, uh, even people that quote, you know, they worship Satan, say that uh, this is of the demonic and they, and they don't hide that at all. It's just, this is just something that there's a, the, the Reiki part of it is just very deceptive in, in hiding that. So I just really wanted to, to, to mention that. That is so, so important to, to say that this has its roots in, in demonic energy. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it is uh, packaged and sugar-coated to be something of the light. And um, it, to be honest, in my perspective, um, it it mimics the holy and sacred work of God. And it's not, you know, it, it is not of the light. It is not anything positive. Uh, it comes off that way. 
-hmm. And, you know, people do have success. You know, I believed at the time as a Reiki master that I was healing, helping heal, being a conduit, um, helping heal many people, helping many people have spiritual enlightenment and um, spiritual healing, emotional healing. And I had clients that told me, you know, you have a gift, you have a healing ability there. This is amazing. I've not had any healing like this forever. You know, they had sought out different things. They had been on medications. They had done all the things, you know, that their doctors would tell them to do. And they would come to me for sessions. And sometimes it would take more than one. It wouldn't just be miraculous off the first try. But I can't recall a client that said it didn't work for me. Um, pretty much every client that I had had some kind of positive experience. And I thought that that was going to be my life path, my career. I thought I had found my universal calling in this place for my present life. Um, you know, whatever I was going to reincarnate to later would be something different maybe. But for this lifetime, I believed I had found my one true calling, what I was going to do the rest of my life. And um, I was truly deceived and I was opening the door for demonic entities to come into my home, to come into my life, my family. And I saw pretty quick the truth because it didn't stay positive like forever. Um, it, it wasn't all good. Um, I had started experiencing a lot of spiritual attacks and a lot of um, what I felt like were demonic entities in my home. And I just believed that it was because I had let a client in my home that had a demonic attachment or I had been somewhere and somebody had a demonic attachment and I brought it home. Um, and so I believed I had to go through my house, you know, with sage, Palo Santo, uh, my cleansing crystals, all these things and clear my house and, you know, reset it energetically because I had just tracked it in from somewhere else or let somebody in my home that had a demonic attachment. And um, really, it was me because I was being a conduit for it. I was allowing it to take up residence in myself and in my home. And um, it didn't matter how many times, you know, I cleansed my house with sage or Palo Santo or set up protection grids or buried crystals outside in my yard somewhere. Um, it didn't matter because it still happened. And it wasn't just me that was experiencing things. Uh, my kids would experience stuff and there would be times I would be so scared to be in my own house that I questioned leaving in the middle of the night. Um, my husband worked third shift and I would send him a message and be like, hey, look, there's something in the house like I'm about to leave because it wasn't it was revealing who it really was like it was no longer nice. It was no longer positive. Um, the spirits, the entities were revealing their true self, which was dark and demonic and scary and um, oppressive. And I just continued like I let it happen. 
And I just thought I needed a new crystal or I needed to get a new sage stick or um, just cleanse myself of the client of the day because it was their problem, not mine, because there was no way being a light worker that I could have a demonic attachment. And that was the deception that I was in was I'm a light worker. It's somebody else. It's not me. Mm. I, I think it's interesting to, to uh, ask the question as well, which is, would it, was there anything that you think that prompted the attack starting? Like, were you starting to kind of look into like the Bible or Christianity or did it, did it just seem like it kind of just happened out of nowhere? Like this, did everything kind of going south on you. Um, so when things first started going south, um, I, I hadn't really started going into the Bible just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I kind of just contributed all the things going on to somebody else. Like I mm-hmm. had brought somebody in my home, um, a client that had a demonic attachment, but, um, I had been even working on my mother. And so, I knew that somewhere along the way that I had let something in by being around someone. Um, It, you know, for example, like jokingly, but not jokingly, one time I was told that um, demons could get stuck to your shoe. You know, you Mm -hmm. could get this Mm -hmm. demonic entity stuck to your shoe walking around a store and bring it home. And if you don't cleanse your space, it can just take up residence there. And so in the beginning, when things started getting bad, I didn't really contribute it to the Bible or anything like that. I just thought there was a negative energy that I had picked up from someone somewhere. Um, But when my mom had passed away, um, something inside me, like I knew something wasn't right. I knew Mm. there was something off spiritually. I felt it in my soul. Like I could feel it in my core that something wasn't right. And part of me, I think it was like fear of, okay, my mom just died. I could die at any moment. And where do I want to spend eternity if there is a heaven and a hell and my soul doesn't reincarnate somewhere? You know, what what do I want to do? But then the other part of it was also I need to save my mom because at that time, the only thing I knew apart from new age was Mormonism. And in Mormonism, you can get baptized for your dead loved ones. And I had known that my mom didn't get baptized. And so I wanted to like save her if I could. Um, And that was kind of like the start of my questioning of the stuff going on was, you know, is there really a heaven and a hell? What am I doing if there is, you know, I'm allowing this to go on. And I knew that like divination and witchcraft was a sin. Like I knew that much from the Bible. And so I started questioning everything I was doing. Mm -hmm. And there was a brief time that I had thought about going back to the Mormon church and I had spoke to my mentor at the time. She was like my my spiritual mentor. Um, and she actually owned the metaphysical shop in town where I lived. And I had even um, had plans to work there and to do Reiki out of her shop and to 
be a part of her metaphysical business that is really successful in the area. Like uh, it's growing even now to this day. Um, she's bought a new building and all the things. Um, but I had went to her and I told her like my fears and my concerns. And she told me that I was letting fear-based religion control me and that I was basically crazy. And so um, even though I had these concerns inside and I had these doubts that I might be on the wrong path, um, I continued on. I just found the next crystal, the next new tarot deck, the next new oracle deck that I could get insight and guidance from. And I continued with it, even though I had doubts and concerns, because the person at that time that I trusted was telling me that man-made religion was fear-based and controlling me. And I just needed to like forget about all of that and continue on the path that I was on because, you know, crystals are from God. If God put the crystals on the earth, uh, he put them there for a reason. And if as a Reiki master, you know, I'm helping heal other people, I'm being a light in the world and God is love and God is light. There's no way that what I was doing was wrong. And I needed to, you know, cleanse my space. I needed to clear myself of any negative energy. And so for a while, it was a little bit of a battle because I struggled with the doubts and the concerns of, am I on the wrong path? Um, if there is really a God and I could die at any moment, am I going to go to heaven or hell? Is there a heaven or hell or will I just reincarnate, you know? Mm -hmm. hmm. And, but at this point then uh, you said, previously that you were kind of starting to question the reincarnation and starting to kind of think that heaven and hell, there was some legitimacy to it. And from what I understand, the passing of your mother also kind of prompted uh, a change in understanding too. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when my mother passed, I, I can't really explain what happened spiritually, but it was like the Holy Spirit made it known to me that I wasn't on the right path. Like, and I didn't listen. Um, like mm -hmm. I said, I, I just, I took that as just being a doubt. I took that as like what my mentor said, fear-based religion creeping back in and trying to control me, like where I had, you know, been brainwashed my whole life to believe in God or not believe um, in the spirit realm and these abilities. Um, I believed that I was allowing myself to, be controlled by a, a man-made religion um, and that the only thing that was real was spirit and universal life force and that, you know, our spirits don't go to heaven or hell. We ascend, we reincarnate, we progress. And um, there for a while, I didn't listen to the callings of the Holy Spirit. I kept pushing it off to the side. And when my mom died, though, like, that was what really hit me was because I had to clean her house and I didn't know that she had been meeting with the missionaries again. And so, like I had mentioned previously, I took care of my mom 
And everybody else in the family had pretty much ostracized her because of her addiction and because of her life choices. And so I was the only one that she had. And every day I would take her food. I would take her her medicine. I would go check on her. Um, My life revolved around my mother pretty much and taking care of her. And she had gotten into um, the Reiki energy healing because I would perform, you know, sessions on her and things. And I would do tarot readings and um, different things for her. And she had begun collecting her own crystals and whatnot. And so when she had passed away, um, her passing was really tragic. It was not expected. And it literally happened like out of nowhere. And I was left to deal with it. I was responsible for preparing, you know, uh, her funeral arrangements. I couldn't have a funeral because I couldn't afford it. So I had to um, have my mom cremated because that was the cheapest option. And um, that's horrible to say, but that's where I was at at the time. That's what Mm -hmm. I could afford being the only one that was handling everything. Yeah. And, you know, the rest of the family wasn't involved with her. And so when it came time to clean out her house because she rented her property, um, the owners wanted, you know, wanted everything out. And that was put on me. And so I had went through and I was looking for um, anything that I could keep momentum wise, like as in memory of my mother. And so I was going through trying to find like her favorite crystals and things. And I had found a letter in her dresser that was from sister missionaries. And at first I thought it was something old, like that she had just kept. And um, it had actually been from recent within like the last couple months before she had passed away. And it was talking about how they were like hoping that she would be able to quit smoking cigarettes in order to get baptized. And I had no idea that my mom was even considering getting baptized into the Mormon church because we were all invested in the new age path. And so when I found that, it like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just an unexplainable feeling of like guilt and urgency and fear of I need to get back in alignment with God. I need to get back into my relationship with the Lord. I need to go back to church. I need to get baptized for my mom so that I can save her. And that's just what hit me. And I believed it was the Holy Spirit. And I do still believe the Holy Spirit was working on me. Um, But I was still deceived by the Mormon church that I believed the Holy Spirit was telling me to go back to the Mormon church. Hmm. It's interesting to me as well that it doesn't seem like there was anything that was too significant in what you said when it comes to the passing of of your mother in terms of why you would suddenly start to get a a realization that there there was validity to Christianity. But I think the way that you put it is is perfectly stated, which is that the Holy Spirit was working on you. That really is the, the, that's the only other, that's the only explanation that it seems plausible. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the only thing I can, I can say that it was, is the Holy Spirit because I think, 
God is all knowing. Okay. So he knows, you know, everything he knows, uh, the right time and place to put certain, um, situations or people or experiences in order to help lead somebody to him. And I think that my mother's passing, I know for a fact, the Lord knew that that utterly killed me inside. Like when my mother passed, it almost was like losing a child because I did take care of her. And the day that she had passed away, um, I had gotten a phone call from the hospital because the day previously I had went to check on her and I knew something was wrong. Like I just assumed that she had taken too much medication, um, was, you know, just another ordeal. Like it was routine, you know, once a month, my mom would be in the hospital for taking too much meds, um, or being messed up on narcotic medication or something. Um, she was a frequent flyer at the hospital. They knew her well. And a lot of times she would go in complaining of like pancreatitis pain, and it would be to get pain medication from the hospital. And so the day before she had passed, when I had went and checked on her and I knew something was wrong, I could tell that she was having some issues with her breathing, um, but she was still like she was awake. She was alert. She wasn't like coherent. She was in an altered state of mind, um, mm-hmm. but she wasn't like passed out on the floor. And so I had called an ambulance and she was able to walk out to the to the gurney on the porch and get on it and hop in the ambulance. And so I didn't think anything of it. I just to me, in my mind, this was another trip to the hospital and she'd be back, you know, later. Um, But I at least wanted her to get checked out, get fluids, you know, whatever it was they needed to do. And so as she walked out to the to the gurney, I said, okay, I'm right behind you because I was going to try to go and be at the hospital, but I had my kids and I needed to get home to my husband and see if he could stay home, if he could call in from work and he couldn't. And so I called my mom later that night and I explained to her, you know, I couldn't get to the hospital because my husband had to work. He couldn't get off. And she told me that they were admitting her, which was nothing new that had happened multiple other times. And so I said, okay, when you get to your room and you get settled, call me back and let me know um, that you're at least settled in and you're okay. Well, I never heard back from her. And it was like eight o'clock in the morning the next day. And I had got a call from the hospital And they told me that my mom wasn't doing well and I needed to get there. That was all they said. And so I get to the hospital and they had somebody waiting at the doors for me. And we went upstairs. And as we were getting ready to walk into her wing of the intensive care unit, they told me that my mom was unresponsive and that they had been working on her for like 15 minutes and they were having a problem getting her, um, her heart rhythm back and that she was intubated and I walked into the room and there was probably 10 different people in there, doctors, nurses, and my mom was intubated. Um, There was somebody on the bed 
on top, like on their knees on the side of her where they had been doing compressions. They had given her injections. Um, they had done the defibrillator, like they were doing all the things to try to bring her back and they could not get her heart rhythm back. She had went into ventricular fibrillation, which is where your heart kind of like stops beating and it's just kind of shaking. Mm-hmm. It's not really got any kind of steady rhythm. It was just kind of shaking and they couldn't get the rhythm normalized and she wasn't breathing on her own. They were breathing for her. And the doctor told me that they had worked on her for like 15 minutes prior to me getting there. And that even if they did get her back, you know, she would be in a vegetable like state, um, no brain function really. And I had to make the decision to let her go. Mm. And, um, that killed me. And I think the Lord knew that. I think he knew, I know he knew that that, that killed me, that that killed my spirit, that crushed me. And, um, I needed to come back to him in order to have healing, in order to handle that, to not go crazy, to, to not give up on myself, you know, because I still, even at that time, I still struggled with depression. Um, you know, that I believe the crystals and the Reiki helped, but like, I still battled it in the back of my mind. Like I helped all these other people, but I still suffered. And when my mom died, if the Lord hadn't been working in my life and the Holy Spirit hadn't been leading me to truth, I can't promise or even say that I wouldn't have gave up on my own life and you know, committed suicide or something crazy because losing my mom and having the guilt of, did I kill my mom? You know, had I told them to keep working on her, what if a miracle would have happened and she would have still been alive and talking and breathing, um, having to make that decision to say, okay, you know, take quit breathing for her, quit trying to revive her. Um, That was killing me inside. And so the Lord knew that and knew that the only way I was going to make it through that was if I came back to him. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry that you had to go through that pain, but it doesn't, it makes me think about like, it's, you know, it says several times in the Bible that God uh, loves to heal the brokenhearted and in addition to everything that you said, um, I just think that it, I think it gave an ample opportunity for God to then present himself to you and like his, his true self, maybe in a way that you hadn't yet seen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, he made sure that I found the truth out really quick, um, because like I said, when that happened, the only thing I knew my instinct was to go back to the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. But the time that I spent reading Mormon scripture and reading biblical um, scripture, I found out very quickly um, the Holy Spirit let me know that what I was reading in Mormon doctrine was not true. And um, the teachings of Mormon doctrine was not true. And he worked fast to make sure that I didn't stay in that position where I continued on with the Mormon faith. Was that a quick 
was that a quick understanding that that happened? Would you say it was almost like a supernatural understanding that you that you had discernment about Mormonism? Um, I would say it was pretty quick over the course of just a couple of weeks. Um, it only took one time of going back to the Mormon church for like one service. Um, I didn't go back. I went, I had been reading the Bible. I'd been reading the Book of Mormon and I had finally brought myself to say, okay, I'm going to go to church. Um, you know, I've not been for a few years. I've done all of these horrible things, you know, the new age path, the witchcraft and this and that, but I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to be brave and I'm going to go. And I did go. And, um, it was, it was different. It was weird. Um, I thought it was just kind of awkward probably because I hadn't been in so long. So I hadn't seen these people forever and I didn't know, you know, what to expect. Um, but I didn't go again. It was one time and it didn't happen anymore. Um, so it was pretty quick that I think the Holy spirit helped me see the truth because when I got to understand biblical salvation and what the Bible says about God and what the Bible says about salvation compared to what I had been taught um, within the Mormon church, I knew pretty quickly, well, the Bible came first and I do trust and believe that the Bible is the word of God. Then I had that sort of foundation. I can't really say it was a solid foundation because I had drifted you know, my life path, life choices, but I knew the Bible was true. Regardless, without a shadow of a doubt, the Bible was true. And so when I started seeing the discrepancies within what the Mormon church taught and what Mormon scriptures taught, I knew it had to go. Mm -hmm. At that point, what was it like then going through uh, all the different spiritual spiritualities that you had been through uh and i guess just even going back to when you were a kid going back from like starting off with christianity and then being a skeptic of christianity and then going into uh you know that rebellious period to mormonism to new age and then you going through all those trials and finally coming back to christianity i i would imagine that was really really challenging but there was it sounds like a healing there for the first time in your life that you experienced that you had never experienced before yeah so um i knew when I finally, I believe that that was the time that I truly um, got saved. Like, I don't think that I was saved previously. I don't think I was saved as a child. Um, I And I don't think I was truly saved in the Mormon church um, just because it is a, a false church and it is false doctrine. But through the new age, through the Mormonism, coming full circle back to, okay, God and Jesus, um, I think that that was the time that I truly became saved. I put my trust and my faith in God and my salvation in the work of Jesus on the cross. And that's where I was at. Like I knew that Jesus died for me. I knew there was a God and I knew the Bible was the true word of God. And I could discern that everything else was everything else I had done 
was wrong. The, the new age path was wrong because it was work of darkness. It was work of the enemy. The Mormon church was wrong because it was a false gospel, um, a completely different God than the Bible, a completely different Jesus Christ of the Bible. Um, and I started there. Like that was what I had the little bit of knowledge that the Bible was the true word of God and that God was real. Jesus was real. And my salvation rested in that fact. I was alone. Otherwise, I didn't have, you know, I didn't know what church to go to. I didn't have another home church I could go to. Um, I had just gave up one of the biggest parts of my life being the Mormon church and my church family there, um, like officially saying I'm done. I want my name removed from church records. Um, I'm no longer a part of this, not just becoming inactive, but saying I'm done. And um, so that was that was challenging to to lose that, to lose those people. It still is hard uh, to this day because I still see those people. I still see them pop up on Facebook. I see them at the grocery store. Um, so it is still a challenge today. And I can't say that I've found a home church yet, but I do visit other churches. Um, there's one I visited a few times and I may continue going, but I'm really cautious now. Um, knowing biblical truth, knowing doctrine, and knowing how easy it is for a church to deceive other people into believing that their doctrine is true and sound. Um, I'm just really cautious now on trying to get invested in a church because I do fear could I be deceived again? Could I be led astray again into believing a doctrine that is not biblically sound? And so it is a challenge even still because I do struggle um, trying to decide, you know, where to plant my feet again. But I just keep trying to read the Bible daily um, to understand doctrine. Uh, I do an at-home systematic theology course where I'm just trying to understand the Bible and what it says. That way, when I go to church or when I find a home church, um, I can discern whether or not they're teaching sound doctrine so that I'm not deceived anymore and so that I'm not led astray. But it is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is very hard. It's very, very challenging. It, but that is a powerful moment, though, isn't it? When you go from thinking that the new age, the truth is found in the new age and all these different like healing modalities to then understanding that, you know, wait a minute, this is actually of the demonic realm. Uh, the Bible actually hasn't been manipulated, like I've been told my whole life, that Jesus was real and that he that uh, a lot of evidence does support that he did die and rise from the dead. And then people were willing to put their own lives on the line to uh, corroborate that that happened. And then you find out that everything that the Bible says, like actually works and like relationships in terms of like being gentle with other people, uh, uh forgiving, uh, other people, uh, loving your enemies. And, and on top of that, realizing that when you use a prayer, uh, uh, with something like Reiki or, or the demonic of the, the demonic, uh, uh, behaviors of the new age. And you find out that that actually, um, 
fight against those quote beings of love and light, everything really starts to kind of come together all at once. And that's, that's both a very, very cathartic moment. And I think a very, very traumatic moment because of what you've been through and that deception. And, and like you said, you just don't want to be deceived again. That, that is so, so painful to go through. So I just, I, I think, um, I'm sure a lot of people can probably relate to what you're saying in terms of, uh, how, how difficult it is to be, finally give your life over to Jesus and truth, even though, um, from what I understand in your testimony and, and what you shared with me previously, um, there, there is, uh, kind of like what I was saying before as well, there is a level of healing that you haven't, you hadn't had yet until you gave your life over to Jesus and, and his teachings. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I think that the, the new age path, spirituality, and even Mormonism, you know, not just Mormonism, but there are other religious branches out there that teach false doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, there is truths in each part of those. You know, you can yeah. find truth in everything. You can find truth in the New Age path, little bits of it. But that's how the enemy works. You know, he will take a little bit of truth and sugarcoat it with all these other things and present it to you as this wonderful uh, you know, experience this wonderful gift or ability. And that's why we're deceived is because there is a little bit of truth planted there. Mm-hmm. And it does make it challenging when you're coming out of um, new age experiences or Mormonism, because there is truth there. And that is hard to to detach from, you know, you know that there's truth there. You may have experienced all these wonderful things. You could have success in your healing modalities as a Reiki practitioner um, with the crystals or whatever. Um, You may experience spiritual things within Mormonism. And so it can be challenging to leave that behind. And I mean, I still struggle now. I'm not, you know, uh, I don't know everything. Um, I still struggle with some doctrinal things like understanding that I've got to let go completely of Mormon doctrine um, because sometimes that does creep back in. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the enemy does throw the new age back at me. Um, You know, different things will pop up on Facebook, like scrolling through my news feed. And it's all the enemy's way to try to pull you back in. And um, when you're able to see the truth and understand it, even though it's hard, that's where our faith comes in. That's where Mm -hmm. our trust in the Lord comes in and just saying, okay, this is hard for me as a human in my flesh because my fleshly desires uh, are drawn to this, are uh, drawn to that and have seen the little bits of truth there. But I trust in you, God. I trust in your word and your work and your power. And that's where our faith comes in, just giving it over to God and saying, okay, I'm struggling, but you're greater than my struggles and your power um, overpowers anything from the new age path, anything from Mormonism. And that's just what I lean on is knowing that even though I struggle in my flesh, God is mightier than that. And Mm -hmm. that's what keeps me going and what keeps me from falling back into those, those paths. Mm. Yeah. Beautifully said. And I love that you said that it's, it's, it's putting your trust and faith in, in God and some being that's, 
far more powerful than obviously any any human can possibly be. And it just makes me think a little bit about when maybe people that are on the outside looking into Christianity talking about uh, Christians and, and as people that are always saying, oh, you just need to have more faith. And I and I totally understand where they're coming from because I used to be that as well and kind of mocking Christians in that way. But I, I've come to learn uh, that it's very similar to uh, having faith in someone that you're in a relationship with, whether that's like an intimate or romantic relationship or like a friendship, you you need to have, you're not going to know what that person is doing at all times. Like when you're not going to be with them at all times and you have faith that what it is that they're doing uh, when you're not with them is uh, not harming you and, and and they're doing things that are going to benefit you in that relationship. And it's the same thing here with our relationship with God is putting your trust in someone and being vulnerable with somebody um, when who who just like in a regular relationship when you can't always see uh, exactly where something is going, uh, but but trusting that ultimately this person has your best interests in mind, even even when it doesn't seem like that. Especially the creator of the spiritual and the physical, um, who might orchestrate some things in our lives that don't make a lot of sense at the time. But usually, not every time, but usually we can kind of take a step back and look back when things have happened and kind of connect the dots. And you're like, you know what, this relationship that I've had with the creator of the uh, you know of everything, he really had my back this whole time, and that's where the faith comes in. It's a relationship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I believe in my heart that had the Lord not been working in my life through all the challenges that I've gone through, even just within this last year, um, that I really wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it is an act of faith to when you can't see what the Lord is doing in your life or how he's working in your life. Um, it is an act of faith to continue trusting in him and just going day by day, letting it be in his hands, because, you know, there are times where I think people that are not saved or haven't joined a Christian church or followed Christianity, they look at Christians as having to be perfect and, um, you know, assuming that as a Christian, your life will be perfect or you will be perfect. And that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, um, Christians do face trials and tribulations and hardships, and we do suffer in life. And the Bible tells us that we will suffer in life. We will face trials and persecution. And that's when it's most important to keep our faith and keep our eyes on the Lord is in those times because you look at the parable of the sower, okay? Um, the seeds that are like on the uh, on the ground, the gravel, like the hard concrete, there's no solid, there's no dirt for them to plant roots. And so those people who accept the gospel, like when things are going okay, they've not really had a solid foundation. They've not really put their roots into the ground. They, and it's, they sprout up this goodness, but the minute wind blows, the minute a storm comes, they fall away because Mm -hmm. they didn't have that solid foundation. And so as Christians, we have to understand that a lot of our strength is going to come from our trials and our tribulations because that's where we're planting roots. That's where we're growing in our faith in the Lord um, so that when good times come, we are praising the Lord. We are understanding that his goodness is there. But when a trial or a challenge comes, we're not getting 
thrown away by the wind or the storm, that we are solid, our roots are firm in our foundation, and we are able to continue trusting in the Lord, even in hard times. And I think a lot of people look at Christians and assume that if they were to become a Christian, they would need to be perfect or um, that as a Christian, you know, our lives are perfect and they're not, uh, we're not perfect and we're not called to be perfect is the thing. Um, We are called to try to be like Christ, but we're not called to be perfect and we're not promised that being a Christian, our lives will miraculously be turned around and we will be prosperous on earth and joyous. Yes, the Lord can do those things, absolutely, because he can do whatever he wants if it's his will. But we are told in the Bible that we will have trials and tribulations, and that's when our faith is tested most, in my opinion, Um, just on my own life experiences, but the Lord is always there. It's not really us that like a lot of times people will be uh, under the impression when they have something going on that the Lord has left them. And really it's us losing our faith in the Lord and us turning away from God. God is always there and he's always there with his arm out to pull us up if we continue to put our faith and our trust in him. And I think people forget that sometimes is that we're the ones that walk away, not God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, really beautifully put my, my last question for you um, has to do with all the experience that you've had um, in these different spiritualities and um, different philosophies and different ways of looking at the world with everything that you've been through. And now your understanding of, of Christianity and truth, how would you um, speak to somebody who may be on a similar path or kind of still trying to find out what truth is and what quote spirituality that they should delve into uh, in order to find their answers? What would you tell them? That's a tough one. Um, because I understand where people are coming from, and I understand the desire to feel acceptance and to feel love from everything that I've experienced in the different paths that I've walked, um, I would just tell someone, I would ask someone really to just give God a chance. Um, not saying people have to instantly join Christianity, um, but give God a chance, a relationship with the Lord, uh, get to know Jesus and what he did for you because all of these other paths, these spiritual paths, while they seem enticing now and you may have good experiences now, it's temporary and a lot of it falls away. And in the end, what matters is your spirit and where do you want to be? Do you want eternal salvation? Do you want um, uh, an eternity of joy and peace, or do you want to let the world suck you into 
the work of the enemy and lose that opportunity to have true joy and peace, to have true eternal life with someone that loves you more than you could ever imagine. Somebody that gave their life for you to save you. And I would just ask them to give that a chance. You know, your life may be hard right now. You may feel like nobody on this earth loves you. You may be searching for healing the way that I was. And the only true rest that you will get is with the Lord. If you just give him a chance and just get to know him, you know, pray about it. Read the Bible if you can. Um, and just go into it with an open mind and an open heart. Because if you're already open to the new age path or spirituality, uh, just be open to God, you know, and just give that a chance. Because if, if you can stop where you're at now and prevent yourself from facing demonic attacks, um, demonic oppression, or digging yourself into a hole that you may not get out of. If you could <clears throat> stop now and give God a chance, it's worth it. Wow. What an incredible, incredible story. Uh, I can't thank you enough for sharing your, your incredibly powerful story and, and insights with us. And uh, as I told you before, we, we got started here. I'm just so thankful that you pushed through and had the resilience and I know all glory goes to God, but um, I, I, I really, really admire your, your determination and, and everything that you've been able to, to accomplish and, and share with us through those accomplishments today. I, I'm super appreciative of that. If anybody has any further questions or wants to talk about um, anything that they've experienced that might be similar that maybe I could answer some questions or help guide them into the right direction biblically. Um, I'm, I'm open to speaking with anyone, um, answering questions about anything that's been shared in the live stream today, um, anything that I've talked about, the new age path, Mormonism, um, just really, I'm open to communication if I can help someone find the truth. Mm. And for those of you that uh, are listening, and I'll put, again, I'll put it in the description as well. Her email is patriciamichellecurtis at gmail.com. Um, so again, I'll put that in the description. Um, well, Michelle, again, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and, and sharing your story with us. And uh, I, I wish you the you know best of luck with everything and, and God bless you and everything that you're doing it with your ministry and trying to help people that are suffering and looking for the truth. And I appreciate all your kindness and your kind words. And I truly appreciate the opportunity to come on here and to chat with you today, um, to be able to share my testimony uh, via this platform and to hopefully reach more people and even share just a little bit of truth that might plant a seed for somebody who is questioning. Um, I thank you for creating this podcast and doing what you do, reaching so many people that have traveled the new age to Christianity path. Um, because if it wasn't for your platform, um, there's probably some people that may never hear the truth. So I thank you as well for your work and what you do and for giving me the opportunity to be on here today with you. 
Oh, th- thank you for that. I really appreciate that. As you, as you said before as well, all glory goes to God. And if it wasn't for God, I would be in a, uh, like a San Diego, like Reiki shop right now, deceiving people. So seriously, all glory goes to God, but I, I really appreciate the kind words as well. Well, that is our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. If you are new to Spirit Answers Podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoyed that and, and found some um, content or some information that was both useful, enlightening, and hopefully entertaining um, at the same time. Um, and if you are somebody, I haven't done this in a while, um, that is still kind of on the fence about this whole God thing, um, I would ask you to keep asking God to reveal himself to you in a personal way and um, not only do that but if you haven't done this recently because I know a lot of people have not done this um, in their spiritual journey or they kind of put it off at the last moment um, to pick up a Bible and just start reading it Um, you can start in the New Testament and uh, I think that's a lot more approachable for a lot of people and um, I think that you're going to get a lot out of that and again, I've stressed before, I think so many, other pe- so many people look at so many other different spiritual avenues first before they decide to pick up a Bible, um, when the reality is that the thing that is going to be the most useful and helpful is, is right there in front of us kind of the whole time. You know, the Bible is so accessible, it's not hidden. I guess you could say it's hidden in plain sight, and I think we just kind of take it for granted. Um, so yeah, if that's you, I just want you to... You know, I just encourage you to do that. And um, I know it's so easy to get lost up in, in uh, the, the day-to-days of life and um, to just to be seeking the next big thing. What is it that's going to give me some kind of happiness or some, whatever is going to help me in my career, my, my relationship life, having kids, whatever that is. I think we get, it's so easy to get lost in that cycle, but um, I think it's so easy to forget that whatever it is that you're seeking, there's, you're probably going to get there. There's probably going to be some kind of joy involved when you get there, but it is certainly fleeting. And if you think back to all the times before in your life when you finally succeeded in achieving a goal, that joy that you get is while it's it's amazing, while it lasts, it doesn't last very long. And I had to learn that the hard way. I'm certainly not uh, trying to speak from a high horse here. And I'm so thankful that I kept pursuing, kept pursuing truth and, and found the only thing that is truly fulfilling, which is having a relationship with a person that created the very joy that you're looking to have in whatever goal you're trying to achieve. Uh, there There is nothing more fulfilling than walking with God you know as as cliche as that might sound to some of you and um, so again welcome thank you so much for tuning in and for those of you that have been here for a while just want to encourage you uh, to share your story um, as always on the podcast or if you don't feel comfortable with that I just think um, Michelle's testimony really just shows me reminds me how important it is to to share our testimony with the world in some way because I think it's there's so many Christians out there unfortunately that don't take the time to share their testimony and because of that we continue to see things like Reiki 
um, become more mainstream. It's continuing to sneak up on on us because so many people are none the wiser. They have no idea what actually what Reiki actually entails. And even Mormonism. I think if we had more people speaking up on the on the reality and, and truth of Mormonism, that it really is a totally different religion and belief system than Christianity. Um, that it might not have the kind of success that that we see it has today. So yeah, I just want to invite you to do that. You know, so many people could benefit from hearing your testimony, from hearing not only the the truth in your testimony, but I think too just the way that God is able to help you persevere in Him throughout your journey to Him, and he, how He help He helps you overcome the obstacles that come against you and helps connect the dots in a way that a lot of times, again, we can't see these things when we're going through them. But when we take a step back and, and, and we can look and see what happened, we can see that he had his hand guiding us the whole time. And there's not a lot of things more beautiful than that. So again, I, I encourage you, wherever that is on this podcast, sending your video testimony or your written testimony to me at spiritanswerspodcast.gmail.com or whatever avenue you decide to pursue, if you start your own YouTube channel or post it on social media in text form, just really encourage you. I want to really encourage you and remind you to share your testimony. Um, and uh, feel free, as, as always, to let me know if you have somebody in mind that you'd like to see on this podcast, either in the comments below or feel free to shoot me an email as well. Uh, I would love to to get your recommendations don't forget to join us in our Facebook group, Spirit Answers, and that's another um, avenue that you can share your testimony or share someone else's testimony there in the group. Or, um, I haven't stressed this enough recently either, if you have your own content that you work on, like your own YouTube channel, your own blog, uh, your own website, we love to have people share whatever it is that they're working on uh, for the body of Christ and truth in that group as well. So feel free to, to post it there. Um, and I believe that is all I have for you this week. I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. As always, I will be praying for you. Hope you have a fantastic week. And I will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.